Good day, folks. My name is John, and I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this broadcast, these thoughts and considerations that I have regarding, oh, a whole bevy of things. It's been a while since I've been here, and I do apologize for that, for all of my two or three loyal listeners, whomever you may be, wherever you may be. I've been preoccupied. I'm actually in a master's program right now, working on my master's of theology. And like all schooling, I am learning many things. And ideally, a person goes to school to become illuminated, to gain a greater understanding of life and reality in which we live in. We don't go to school to be validated for our opinions and our viewpoints. We go to school to be challenged. We go to school to be educated. We go to school to learn something. Now, in my case, I find that when I learn something, that which I learn oftentimes is counterintuitive and antithetical towards what the uh, administrators and teachers and professors would have me learn. It's a bit of an interesting process for me, I suppose. But what I have learned thus far has troubled me more than illuminated me. Well, there has been illumination, of course, but I am troubled by what I have learned. Starting to realize and understand exactly what has been happening for the past, uh, oh, couple hundred years, I suppose, regarding the church, regarding Christianity, trying to understand how we got from point A to point B to this day. And it has been a journey. It has been a journey, truly. And I've come to realize that in the normal supposition at first, I thought that it was just a few churches here and there, a few loud mouths proclaiming a pop Christianity. But unfortunately, no, it is not, actually. <laughs> no, it is not. I've come to learn that the reason the church is in the fix that it is in, the reason that we are the way we are today, the reason that we are at this place in history, is not because of a few pop star Christian preachers. But it is because of those people that are educating these ministers. It is the people who are teaching the teachers of the law. And I am troubled by this. Because you see, like Christ said, it is not about Jew or Gentile anymore. For we are all one in Christ, those who have faith. And through this concept of liberty of conscience, we have kind of taken it to mean that I can believe whatever I want to believe. Well, to be sure, you can believe whatever you want to believe. That is well within your right and privilege to do. You are free to believe however you want to. In fact... If you don't like the way I believe, you don't like the way so-and-such believes, you can just go off and form your own denomination. Isn't that great? 
Isn't that special? Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, this is not the way. This is not the way of things. This is not how things ought to be. We are called to reconcile with one another, not give the other person the finger and say, I'm going to go do it my way. This is not the way. For a house divided cannot stand. And the church is divided. It's terribly divided. You have the Roman Catholics over here who are saying, we are the true church. See, we can trace our lineage through history, through documentation, through tradition. And you have the Protestants over here doing their due diligence not to look like the Roman Catholic because the Roman Catholics can't adhere to something called Sola Scriptura, which, by the way, is a joke. It is meaningless. Meaningless. And I say this with conviction now. Sola Scriptura, as we understand it, is meaningless because the very notion of Sola Scriptura in and of itself is an orthodoxical tradition. So therefore... Cannot be sola scriptura. Cannot be. There must be some tradition, some fail-safe. Has to be. Otherwise, we can just believe whatever we want to believe, however the hell we want to believe. And all I can do is misquote a little bit of scripture. Scripture, excuse me. And you got these jokers like the Westboro Baptists flaunting around their nonsensical garbage. They can say sola scriptura. But we have traditions in place to teach us these things, to show us these things, to guide us in these things. They exist for a reason. And I'd like to start to consider for a moment that one of the reasons that we are in the fix that we are in, and I'm going to parallel, I'm going to parallel this with something that uh, an artist, an electronic artist, whom I enjoy, Dead Mouse said, yes, I'm going to philosophize and uh, theologize, I guess, based on something that Joel Zimmerman said regarding dubstep. Now, Dead Mouse hates dubstep. To be sure, he has made a few songs, a few tracks that are dubstep-esque, and dubstep was interesting for its time. He said something very fascinating. He said, I hate dubstep. It's a terrible sound. If you want it louder, just buy yourself a louder amplifier. He's got a point. So, but what you do is you, you take the sound, you take the audio source, and, you, and you, 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 you amplify it to points of absurdity. And then you add a limiter and compression, and you just kind of sausage it down. And you kind of squeeze it through, and you just... Comp- press it so tightly, and then you spit it out at the other end, and that's how we get the deep whoop, 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 whoop sound. Now, I don't dispute that I do enjoy dubstep. It's a guilty pleasure. I don't listen to it as much as I did in 2012. Actually, every time I hear it, I kind of cringe a little bit. But, you know, sometimes you hear it, and it's like, all right, this is kind of cool. That's yeah, you know. And to be fair, without learning some of these techniques, we haven't... We wouldn't have certain, uh, the warm analog sound, sound, excuse me, that we have today in some pop music that I hear. 
But it's interesting the technique that is used, and I can apply this to the church. For you see, what we have done is we have taken the knowledge of God, the revealed mysteries of the Lord, and we have squished it and squashed it. But not before we amplified it, because we did do that. You see, before we squish and squash, I'm going to take a step back. We took, we took the Lord's uh, revelations and we amplified it. This is what we've done. We've amplified it. We've amplified it to proportions that it's almost a cartoon. Actually, it might as well be a cartoon. We've turned God into a Santa Claus figure. We've turned God into this old man with a great big beard sitting atop his, uh, his mountain, much like the Ubermensch, much like Zeus. We've turned God into this unapproachable figure. Well, hate to tell you, but we can approach God with humility. And only by his grace can we approach him. And we flipped everything on its ear. We flipped everything on its ear. And instead of acknowledging the fact that God has graced us with the privilege to approach him, we have said that we are nothing but worms on the belly of the earth, crawling and scratching around, even though we were made in the image and likeness of God, and that God said, we are good, in fact, very good. It is our sinful nature that corrupts us. But you see, the thing is, is that in Protestant theology, in many cases, we've amplified it to levels of absurdity. We've amplified our nature to levels of absurdity, and then we've tried to sausage it down, compress it, compact it, and then spew it out to the masses and say, this is the way. Listen to it. Catholics, on the other hand, well, they've done something a little bit different. They have turned around, and they have taken good, sound theology, and over many hundreds of years of development, anybody who does not recognize the hundreds of years of development think it just apparated ex nihilo, doesn't really understand their history very well. They have taken their theology, and they have amplified it so much that it's become distorted. It's become distorted. And both have lost sight Now, to be sure, I'm not sitting down and saying that there are not good Christians in either camps. There are. And any man or woman who says that the Protestants are not Christian or not capable of being Christian because they are not Roman Catholic, I would remind them of the words that Jesus said to the apostles. Lord, Lord, what about these people who are doing miracles and prophesying in your name? They're not part of our group. And Jesus said to them, are they prophesying in my name? Are they doing the, the, the miracles in my name? Yes. And let them go. And for the Protestants who say that the Roman Catholics are not Christians because they have an orthodoxical way about them that is different, that is steeped in tradition, and they'd like to use the argument that the Lord hates their traditions of man, I say to them this. They were here before we were. I would say this. 
that if you look at history and you actually see where they come from and how they made their declarations and how it was formulated, yes, they have a very strong case. But both parties have lost sight of one simple thing, that it is not about Roman Catholic or Protestant. It is about the kingdom of heaven. It is about God. It is about salvation through the sanctifying grace of Yeshua of Nazareth. And there have been many charlatans out there who have come around and said that all these denominations have it wrong. I'm going to go do my thing. And I reject that notion as well. It is a nonsensical notion. I am not a J.T. Rutherford or Charles Taze Russell. I am not a Joseph Smith or an L. Ron Hubbard. I am not here to teach you about a new denomination. Nonsense. For Christianity is already the, the limb, the branch that has been grafted on to God's chosen people. And people would like to argue, but yes, yes, what about the body? A body has many limbs and parts, hands and feet and fingers and toes. Yes, of course. But we all recognize that we are of one singular body that is brought together to us through the grace and mercy and gift and sacrifice and resurrection of Yeshua of Nazareth, Jesus Christ. And I have heard many say, how can you believe this? I'm a Protestant. Well, quite frankly, I don't give a damn that you are a Protestant. What are you protesting about? Is your theology so antithetical? Do you not realize that the theology of God is the thesis and that it is the world that is antithetical towards that? And I've heard many Protestants argue from an antithetical position. I hear many Catholics who still remember that, yes, of course, the Protestant Reformation is deemed a heresy. But I can tell you this, the Lord God is now calling us all. He calls us. He says that the time for repentance is now and here and the time for reunification to set aside our orthodoxical differences. Because it is not about Roman Catholic or Protestant. It is about the kingdom. And one day I made a comment in one of my previous podcasts. I said, who are you and what do you want? And I've asked myself that question. Who am I? What do I want? Why am I here? And I have asked the Lord. I have petitioned him. And I ask the question, I don't want to start another denomination. In fact, I don't want any denominations. I want Christians of the world, those who bend their knee and their will and their life to our Savior to get over themselves. I want them to say no more. I want them to say it is not about the church 
that I go to. It is about the kingdom that my trajectory is on. That is what I am asking. That is what I am calling for. And that is who I am. Call it chosen. Call it called. But this is what I am promulgating. This is what I am preaching. This is what I am prophesying. For you see, there is a role in the church for men and women to call out repentance in a land. There's many, many of them. And when you have some denominations who would like to just add, uh, conveniently forget about these places, it's easy for them to just dismiss a person such as me who is saying it is no longer about these things anymore. It is about the kingdom. It is about God. It is about Christ. It is about coming together and actually worshiping a singular God who has graced us with his presence, with his mercy. This is what the prophets of old did. They called the people of the Lord and they said, repent for destruction is coming to you. This is what they did. They said, you need to turn away from your predilections and your preconceived notions. You need to turn away from your sinfulness. And it's not like sinfulness is a big trick. Oh, Lord Almighty, going out on a drunken, drug-filled orgy is a terrible thing. Wow. Congratulations. State the obvious. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is such a terrible thing. Going out and getting drunk every single night and engaging in sexual immorality until the, uh, until the sun comes up. It's, it's a terrible thing. Yes, thank you. Okay. Holy smokes. Stealing from your neighbor. Guess what? Stealing from your neighbor. That's a bad thing. Stop doing it. The will of God is not that complicated. The call to repentance is not that difficult, but we would have people who would live in the perpetual mystery, who would live in the perpetual protesting, who would live in the perpetual antithetical, that they have amplified the message and they have distorted it, that they have amplified the message and sausaged it down and oversimplified it. Do you not know that we are made to be recipients of the revelation of God? That while God is a mystery, he also graces us with the revelation of the mystery. Marriage is no mystery to those who are married. Parenthood is no mystery to those who have been parents. Sinfulness is no mystery to those who have engaged in egregious sins and recognize it. And yet we turn around and run around foolishly with chicken, like chickens with our heads cut off. Running around going, it's a mystery, it's a mystery, it's a mystery. I can't understand it. Yes, you can understand it. Stop being foolish. Stop trying to find a little tidbit of information to juxtapose your ideology. Use your brains. Stop being afraid of reason and logic. Do you not know that the word logos is the root of logic? Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth, God himself in the flesh, God himself 
is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom and logic. Use the tool. We are made in his image and likeness. And yet we're still running around beating ourselves over the head. Well, don't you feel good in your moral piety? How terrible you are. You're right. You suck. So stop sucking. You're a sinner. So stop sinning. Oh, we can't do that. Yes, you can, because God himself would not teach us and command us to not do these things if it were not capable only through the grace that he has given us with the abilities that he has given us. It starts with him. You must make the choice. And unfortunately, the biggest problem that we face here and today is that our house is divided We no longer have sound teachings. We have conflated orthodoxies. Orthodoxies that try to prevent us from looking one way or the other. Orthodoxies that amplify and distort. We have lost sight of what it really is all about. And I am who I am to say this today. Who am I? I am a servant of the Lord who calls all of those who hear this message. And I'd like to clarify because I I realized how I said that. When I say I am, I'm not referring to God. I'm not saying I am. I am not saying that at all. But there is something powerful about saying I am. This is who I am. I am a servant of the Lord. I have been called, if you will, to say it is time to reconcile with our brothers and sisters. First and foremost, let the world worry about the world. Let those who are outside of the church, outside of the body, let them worry about themselves. I'm not worried about them. It is time to start to recognize that we need to reconcile with one another, to reconcile with our brothers and sisters. If the world wants to do whatever it wants to do, then that's their problem. I'm not concerned with the world. If the world wants to be a part of the body, then we need to offer them a house that is undivided. If you wish to be a part of this body, it is not about choosing Roman Catholic or Protestant. It is about entering into a unified body of believers, of repentant sinners, who can at least recognize the very footing and the very foundation in which we stand upon, who can at least recognize what is sinful. Christ did not come here to condemn the world, but to save it. We are already condemned by our own actions. We are already condemned by our own words. Our own deeds were already condemned. But Christ came here to reconcile that condemnation. He came here to save us from that condemnation.
and I am finally at a point in my life where I can say the time to mend and heal the broken church. To call back the Spirit of the Lord God, the Holy Spirit, and say, please relight the lampstands, for they have been dark. They have been darkened by disbelief, by division. Our house is dusty. The hallways grow cold and dim. We don't talk to our brothers and sisters anymore. We don't commune with them anymore. Church is that thing we do on Sunday. We don't worship. We play worship. We don't rejoice. We just go through the motions. And the time has come here and now to fix it. And we have the opportunity now. Let the world worry about itself. And let's have the church worry about itself. For that is what we are called to do. I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to these words, these thoughts, and these considerations. I do apologize for being absent. I hope to start this again now that I have a little bit of a break. Until next time, I want to say thank you. Good day. God bless. And as I'd like to honor my brothers and sisters in Christ, peace be to you.